let's work together at, at, at establishing a graduated return to work plan. Same idea. There's not a, a work-related injury here. It's a prevention. And, and yet, it sends a great message to the employees. You're really valuable to us. We want you back. Let's work this through together. That's Cheryl Scollard, and this is What's Next, an SPM podcast series. Welcome to What's Next, a mini-series within the SBM podcast platform focused on helping employers and employees navigate the reopening of the economy from the COVID-19 shutdown. We've interviewed a cross-section of professionals to help provide insights and ideas and inspiration, all with an eye to smoothing out the inevitable bumps in the road we're all going to face to figure out what our new business reality will look like. Each podcast is informal, about 20 to 25 minutes long, and hopefully chock full of nuggets of wisdom that are practical and easy to navigate. My guest this week is Cheryl Scholar, Director of Operations and Marketing at DMA Rehability. Cheryl's had a long and successful career as a leader in the rehab and disability management field, the last 10 of those with DMA Rehability, a cornerstone of the industry for over 25 years. I was super excited to have Cheryl join me on the podcast for a number of reasons. Our conversations in the past have surrounded business, our careers have overlapped a number of times, and for a multitude of reasons, or running, a passion and pastime we both share, and in both of these venues, I take a backseat to Cheryl's expertise and experience. First and foremost, Cheryl is just awesome. She's one of the most authentic and kind individuals I've ever met. She is well-respected and trusted both inside her industry and in the community at large. The other reason I'm excited to have Cheryl on the podcast is the unique perspective she brings on return to work. Over the span of her career, Cheryl has been involved in thousands of return to work programs and is well-versed on the nuances and best practices required to make workplace reintegration, no matter the circumstance, a success. This practical, hands-on experience makes Cheryl the perfect person to turn to for guidance as employers consider the many pitfalls and opportunities associated with bringing employees back into the workplace. So without further ado, here's my conversation with the lovely and talented Cheryl Scollard. You can just give a little bit of background on like your, what you do and um, the company. So for almost 10 years, I've worked with DMA, a disability management organization. My background before coming here was uh, frontline vocational returning people to work with varying injuries um, and illnesses. Uh, the last several years, though, my focus has been more on operations and administration and looking at policies and procedures, not only for our organization, but employers large and small in the community and ensuring that best practices pre-COVID were in place for returning people to work. Okay, so like you've, you, I would say you've probably invo- been involved in thousands of return to work scenarios, probably multiple thousands. <laughs> um, and so those are environments where like individuals kind of back from some sort of medical leave, but we're in that environment right now. So are there things that might apply from that process that could help employers now where they're bringing people back to work from maybe not a medical leave, but people have been out of the workplace for three months um, and now they're having to adapt. So anything that you would recommend or best practices in terms of bringing people back into the workplace? 
I think that one of the things we're encouraging is to immediately communicate with the individuals who are working from home. It's time for people who can start to transition back into the office to start planning and thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And with that comes discussion and asking what their comfort level is. And maybe they share a work office or station and reassuring them that all of those changes and requirements put out by the public health and the Ministry of Health and the provincial government have been adapted. It may be adapting that you're going, one person will work Monday, Wednesday, Friday in that office. It's sterilized after each person works there. And then you work at home Tuesday, Thursday. And alternatively, the other person that you share with will come in. So it's really, really important for companies to have clear, consistent, and fair outline and policies on how they're managing it and sharing that with the workers so that they can feel comfortable in transitioning back to work. Because initially, it it, it was sort of, everyone was, we moved home quickly. We set up our stations quickly, and we we all really wanted to work hard to show that we were working home effectively. Mm -hmm. And and many were. I mean, we heard many good results from people saying working from home has increased productivity, you know, no concerns. People will then become comfortable. And employers have to decide if they are comfortable with that, if that works for them from a business perspective, revenue perspective. Or is it now time to get people thinking that you went home because of of the pandemic? Our work structure in the office is our people being here and communicating and working together. And we can do that very safely while respecting all of the guidelines and best practices that have been put in place. But it, it means everyone has to be involved in that and accept them and be willing to be careful and work with them. And, and we've seen that, again, internally, our own employees and externally with employers. Well, why can't I just continue to work from home? Yeah. You know, That'll be a big question. A question. Yeah. Like when people are returning to work from a, like a medical leave, the return to work is usually quite structured. Um, so hours, duties, reporting, checking in, those kind of things. Would that be something you'd recommend for employers now? I, I think employers have to look at it individually as well. You don't want, and and the person, you don't want people to think that they're being watched by, um, you know, so closely that I didn't trust you working at home and now you got to be here. So it's a fine line of a message of that. I think it's okay to have, and you should have a documentation of who's coming into the office at what time and who's leaving for fear. And that's one of the requirements. Mm. If there is an outbreak, who was in the office that day? So that's it. Communic- so people may feel that it's suspicious. Absolutely not. We need to know who comes in at 7.30 and yeah. leave. In the event there is an infection, we have to notify you. We want to notify everyone that was in here involved. So it's that type of balancing and communicating that mm. is so important for people to feel um, part of. And that, again, they're being protected and taken care yeah. of. Yeah, it's the it's the communication around why the structure exists, yeah. as opposed to if you don't communicate that. Yeah, people might feel like, wow, I'm just really being watched or or over monitored, and and yeah. uh, and if you're not in the weeds of you know the operation side of the business, you may not know that yeah. you know that's required because of public health and contact yeah. tracking and those kind of things. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. being everybody safe is is key right now. Yeah talk about the wave. We, we certainly want to 
keep the curve flattened so that we don't contribute to that wave uh, of the second round. Yeah. So, you know, we say it all the time, communication. Yeah. And on the flip side, um, any tips or things like that for employees in terms of prepping for back to work? Yeah. You know, and, and it, I think it's looking at each situation individually. We talk about our number of healthcare clinicians are females. It's a very um, high population it's, and they are caring for children at home. Many are single parents, even not just females, but single parents. How do they now adapt to leaving that home office if there's not arrangements for childcare? So employers will have to be understanding as we transition through this. Employees will also have to give a little bit up in terms of making arrangements. And I think the transition, it's okay to accept it might be slow. We're not going to go back to 37 and a half hours a week next week for everyone. And that's okay. Yeah. It's fitting your schedule today of making the, the transition one step at a time to get back to work where you're feeling a little bit better, probably mentally and physically and in routine, but also not jeopardizing, you know, increasing stress for families that have the young children at home or even parents that they're caring for. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think, you know, I, I think employers that, prior to COVID that, that had good culture. So a lot of trust inside the organization probably got a lot of slack when everybody got pushed out to home office and, and, uh, and those employees probably, you know, maybe a lot of them worked harder than they were when they were in the mm-hmm. office, just because there's that commitment. And I think on the flip side, those that maybe didn't, uh, didn't have that, uh, a good karma built up. Um, and I think the same will apply when they're, coming back now, right? Where um, if the employers and and willing to to be flexible, um, they'll get more back from the employees in the long term uh, and better chance of success overall, right? And with that, Chad, being flexible, it's also comments like, let's reevaluate this in two weeks. I understand right now this is is the best you can do, uh, given all of the particulars, and I respect that. Let's have another chat two weeks today and identify if we can reevaluate, make some changes. It's that don't close the door then and assume that that person has indicated they're not coming back to work because that opens up a whole other legal issue. If people say, you know, I'm not comfortable, I can't. Let's work together at, at, at establishing a graduated return to work plan. Same idea. There's not a work related injury here. It's a prevention. And, and yet it sends a great message to the employees. You're really valuable to us. We want you back. Let's work this through together. Yeah, I think uh, those are two good points is that the, the flexibility and just the individual approach. Mm-hmm. So I think you also, as the employer, don't really know each specific scenario that employee might be dealing with. So whether they have kids at home or a spouse that's at home or lost their job or a layoff or parents that are in a long-term care facility that could people could be dealing with a whole um a whole bunch of things that are external to the workplace but also are going to impact their ability to just drop back into old routine one of the scenarios we had again and this was with an employer that we were supporting and we encourage them to have some verbal communication pick up the phone and talk to that person because it's really important you haven't chatted with them they're not responding to your emails um 
maybe there's an underlying message. Maybe there's an underlying situation. And it turned out that the person had um, a health condition and underlying their immune system is compromised. They hadn't shared it with anybody. They're feeling, for whatever reasons, embarrassment, just weren't prepared. And they were very, very afraid to step outside of their house and come into an environment where many there had been positive tests in their work environment. And had that employer and that employee just not joined, there wouldn't have been an understanding of this good employee wasn't being difficult. They had entered a phase of fear yeah. of, of health. And that, that stress is the important. At any one time, somebody could have an autoimmune disease or an illness or um, that's affecting them in terms of their confidence of returning into the work environment. Yeah, and which maybe need, otherwise would not have impacted absolutely. in any way. They could have managed it and probably have been managing it for years. Yeah. But it changed and, and the employer was frustrated. They couldn't figure out why this really good employee was behaving in that manner. Yeah. We don't know unless we ask. Yeah. Yeah. So you think about like the people that are probably most likely to deal with that for most employers, it's like the frontline manager or a supervisor. Um, Any suggestions for them in terms of, of making or creating an environment, I guess, where people are comfortable putting their hand up and asking, like asking for help or bringing something forward that maybe they previously didn't have to and not feeling like they're going to be penalized for it. But, creating that environment where it's, it's easy for somebody to say, Hey, I need some help uh, because of whatever. One of the things I would encourage that is that, and you can send it out via an email format, if that's your mechanism for communicating with your team who are now all working from home and ask them to individually set up a time with you or respond into what their current comfort level is with respect to returning to work. And within that, you've outlined all the precautions the employer has taken if they're coming into the clinic, the, um, the PPEs and the screening and the um, ensuring everyone has proper safe workstations with physical barriers. Uh, but ask them to, to, to share their comfort level at this time. And, and then again, it goes and it's reevaluating that. So one of the things you may say, are you comfortable with accepting new assignments and working two or three uh, days a week? Can you come into the clinic? Be very specific. Yeah. People will respond. And then the ones who are, are not ready, personally, we're encouraging people to have a conversation. Yeah. Let me know how I can help you to feel comfortable. What is it that, mo- do, you, do you need a referral to talk to someone, such as a social worker or a psychologist? We're seeing anxiety as a big concern. Yeah, yeah. And I say that even for myself, that, that yeah. first coming back into the office, um, thinking, okay, I've got my hands washed, I have yeah. my hands, I sterilized my desk. It, I had to really think about it. Yeah, yeah. Everything is automatic before, right? Where now there's there's a whole, uh, whole bunch of new things to deal with. Yeah, it was yeah. a very comfortable home office to, yeah. to work in. Yeah. And it was quiet because there's yeah. nobody there, but my husband and my dog and I. Yeah. But it's... You have to you have to make that transition back. Yeah. So th- you had a good point about the the one workplace scenario for the employee um, that was previously no issues, and the employer was kind of confounded by why they were uh, putting up some roadblocks. Like that's a good red flag, I think, for employers is is like a change in behavior. Yeah. Um, anything else that would be 
like maybe a red flag or, or something for the, an employer to be on the lookout for just that maybe there's something else. Yeah, that's good. You know, I, I always promote um, don't wait um, okay. and return to work. I, I always feel that be proactive, um, be a good listener when you ask those questions, um, be non-judgmental. And at this point, people really do need reassurance. And, and if you can, support them with giving them um, guidelines. We ha- you know, here's some websites. Maybe you, you might feel more comfortable reading. Here's a flyer we've developed on how we're going to handle it when we do bring people back in. Uh, would you like to be part of that task force committee? Would that help you? So involving people, if it's appropriate. Yeah. You know, not everybody wants that and not everyone has the skills, but sometimes it's that person who you least expect has something to offer that will then the other employees will see that as being positive. Mm-hmm. So I, I guess that's my um, be open-minded and non-judgmental yeah. and really try to listen. Yeah, I like, I like that idea of, of the task force of, you know, the lots of most employers will have like a joint health and safety committee um, and maybe an offshoot of that or something similar is a task force where it's not just top down. Here's how we're bringing people back to work, bit of a cross section of a workplace so that you're getting input from everybody. And, and if, if there's employee representation from different areas, then other employees may be more comfortable going yeah. to those reps to say, you know, why are we doing it this way? Or um, I'm worried about X, Y, and Z. So yeah, I like that idea. And, and I do believe that different perspectives, um, it affects us all differently. Yeah. Medical clinicians at, at DMA are affected differently than the administration team who are in the office. Yeah. And that they'll, they'll see things differently and, and appropriately they'll have different insight to that. So I, yeah, I think it's a, a valuable tool. The last question I just wanted to ask you kind of was very generally just on what you see is as the sort of overall mental health impact. Um, You know, people coming back to work again with all that we talked about, like a lot of these different stressors, whether it's related to the work or it's related to home. Um, You know, people, again, I think have done, a pretty remarkable job of adapting um, pretty quickly, but this is like a second phase of now I'm going to have to go back to work. And, and so for sure there's going to be a mental health impact. So any thoughts on like helping employers or just generally what you see might be things that they should be looking out for? Uh, It's a great point. And I do think you're right that we can't forget that the emotional and mental impact this has had on employees is different with everyone. Um, some sought out support right away. Um, some learned to practice meditation and yoga. Uh, some people just decided to withdraw and that was their way of coping. But I think as we start to transition back and schedules become busy, we will need to be aware of that and reminding people there are organizations, there are probably through extended health benefits to utilize those dollars to not be afraid to to want to talk to somebody outside of the organization who can help them feel a little bit more assured. Um, Again, I think it was, was it um, Craig? um, Yes. Tilford, Craig, who probably can help in those regards by way of social work. There is tons of resources on the website on how to, who to talk to, how to get help, 
different things you can do at home. But as managers, supervisors, employers, being aware of that, that just because people are coming back into the door, through the doors, it's not business as usual. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. I think we have to be a lot more in tune to business and how we function safely where we want to get through this year and it, it's not going to go away anytime quickly. Yeah. So be aware, offer supports, guidance, don't hide it. If you, if you see somebody struggling, ask them if there's something they can do to help or if they'd like to talk to somebody. Yeah, that's a great way to wrap up. I think is that it's not business as usual and employers that kind of look at it in terms of just going as quickly as possible back to the, to, to what was prior um, are going to run into some issues. And mm -hmm. so just take that approach of it's not business as usual. And, um, and we have no template for doing this in the past. So it's really going to be a bit of on the fly and, and being open and flexible. Yeah. And trial and error, as you yep. say, you know, yeah. as there isn't that template and, and, and sharing that. Yeah. doing the best we can by following all the guidelines that have been presented to us and the requirements put out by the government and public health. But if we find it's not working, let's address it and, and try something else. Yeah. Because the safety and the health and well-being of employees and for us, clients coming in is number one. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's the way we look at it moving forward. That's a wrap on this episode of What's Next. I hope you enjoyed the content and conversation and welcome your feedback. I'm your host and aspiring podcast artist, Chad Dawson. I'm the Director of Sales Strategy at SPM Benefits and I produce content in addition to the SPM podcast on culture, wellness, mental health, great places to work and all things related to employee benefits and group retirement plans. Thanks for allowing us into your earbuds, your car or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have an idea for an upcoming episode, let me know. Shoot me an email at cdawson at spmbenefits.ca or look me up on LinkedIn. Let's connect and start a conversation. What's Next is brought to you by Sheffer Potter Muckin and SPM Benefits. You can find us online at spminc.ca and spmbenefits.ca. Until next time, we wish you good health and happiness. Take care.